I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On My Crew, episode 180. Well, it was just yesterday that I posted episode 179 of Light On, Light Through, my review of Mayor of Eastham. And here I am, just one day later, back with another review of another great show. Hey, I'm in a good mood these days. And this show is The Mosquito Coast on Apple TV+. And I consider... That show, something that's well-bitten. Ouch, sorry for the lame pun. Anyway, let's begin with the first two episodes of The Mosquito Coast, uh, which were actually put up on Apple TV at the same time. In a word, I thought they were superb. I suppose it's the closest streaming cousin these days to Ozark, on Netflix. That is a great series, too. Both of these series deal with a family on the lamb in the boondocks from a big city and on the lamb from some kind of life of crime. But the Mosquito Coast, adapted from the Paul Thoreau 1981 novel of the same name, made into a movie in 1986 starring none other than Harrison Ford, well, That has a life and an energy and a point of view all its own. And it's attractive and even enlightened and important. So the star of the show... That is, the star character, Allie Fox, is not just a criminal, or maybe he's not even a criminal at all, except when he has to be. He has a philosophy which condemns Democrats as well as Republicans, as well as industrial waste, poverty, and anti-vaxxers. Well, good for him, especially on that last point. Especially relevant these days, right? And Ali Fox also invents kludgy but workable contraptions, and he can talk fast enough to get himself and his family out of most, but not all, jams. And Ali is played very effectively by Justin Thoreau, who is Paul's nephew, and he serves up just the right mix of righteous intensity and twinkle in his eyes, zest for life, and creative offbeat ideas. Melissa George, who is always a pleasure to see on the screen, plays Justin's wife, Margot, and she also brings to this role a very good mix of motherly love, quick thinking, and joie de vivre. And the two teenage kids, Logan Polish as Dina and Gabriel Bateman as Charlie, they put in really powerful performances as well. By the way, the second episode in particular offers a compelling narrative of immigrants and life on the southern border, and that couldn't be more pertinent to today's headlines. The whole series has an edge and a timeliness, and I'm very glad to see a series like this on television. Let's get to the Mosquito Coast 1.3, which I thought of as Broadening Horizons. Now, as I just said in my review of the first two episodes of the Mosquito Coast, one of its most attractive and important features is the picture it provides about life on the southern border, 
and its depiction of immigrants. And in the third episode, that goes one big original step further, bringing the Fox family into contact with Mexicans in the northern part of their own country. The guy who ultimately rescues the foxes and Chewie was only on the screen briefly, but he conveyed a humanity you don't often see from Americans on the other side of the border in TV series and movies. He has a quiet confidence and power that was reassuring. You knew that the Fox family and Chewie would be safe, at least for now, even though Chewie has been bitten by a snake. That's certainly not well-bitten, even though I was doing a little play on words by saying I felt well-bitten by the overall show. Now, how Chewie managed to contact this guy was also a pleasure to see. He has a phone in the dead of the desert, way out of range. Well, leave it to Ollie to know a way to get Chewie's phone synced and operational with a telephone tower. Ali's a little crazy, true, as Chewie tells Margot, but he's also clearly a genius. The series has a freshness and intensity in a mix that even has some humor I've never seen before on television. Again, I haven't read the book or seen the 1986 movie. My only regret is having to wait a week to see the next episode. You know, one of the great advantages of streaming is seeing as many episodes as you like, turning the television series into a kind of book with chapters. That's one of the joys of most of what is available on Netflix and Amazon Prime Video. Not that Apple is going to listen to me, but hey, it would be a good idea to put up a new series or two all at once. Let's get to the Mosquito Coast 1.4 then. And I thought of this episode as Charlie and the Gun. And I thought that the most significant part of the Mosquito Coast 1.4 was indeed Charlie and his hand on a gun. He came very close to using it in defense of his father. His family doesn't yet know about his having the gun. But there's no doubt that with this much attention given to Charlie and his gun, that it's going to play a major part in the narrative, and likely sooner rather than later. And again, I haven't read the novel or seen the 1980s movie. Now, the Mosquito Coast is already about the Fox family, mainly the two kids coming of age. After all this time, they still don't know what their father did that put them on the run. And for that matter, neither do we, the audience. It's just a matter of time, I guess, until we and they find out what Allie did. He continues to be a blend of incredible MacGyver-esque savvy and almost a naivete about the evil in this world. He continues to provoke, wittingly and unwittingly, everyone he comes into contact with. And he continues to be unable to unify his own family, in fact, often doing things that sow more dissension. In fact, if you think about it, the ultimate threat to the foxes comes from Allie himself and his barely successful attempt to keep the truth from his children. 
Although they faced deadly enemies on every leg of their journey, ranging from American racists on our side of the border to a Mexican aristocratic family on the other side who would kill you if you posed the slightest potential problem to them, I still think the ultimate threat to the foxes comes from the foxes themselves. Now, Margot could be a mediating figure, but so far she's just managed to keep the lid on. Dina continues to demand answers, and uh, Charlie has his gun. The Mosquito Coast 1.5, Charlie and the Gun Part 2, and I thought the most significant scene in the Mosquito Coast 1.5 was again Charlie and the Gun. This time he does pull out his gun and he points it at the Mexican guy who is making fun of him and all Americans in the room with the other Mexican guy and girl and Charlie's sister Dina. Charlie doesn't fire it, but pulling out the gun and pointing it is a significant progression in his relationship with this weapon. It signifies Charlie's coming of age, and it points to that being achieved when Charlie, in fact, finally fires that gun and maybe kills someone. The comparison between Charlie and the hitman who's stalking the adult foxes in Mexico City is also worth noting. The hitman uses a silent knife as his weapon, and as we see in the first scene, he is quiet and deadly. He doesn't intimidate. He just kills. In contrast to Charlie, who so far has brandished his weapon just to impress and intimidate. But as I said earlier, the kids in this narrative are in many ways more important than the adults. And with the ending of this episode, they have to fare at least a bit on their own. Allie and Margot are bound and hooded in the back of a truck, prisoners of some Mexican gang. Margot, by the way, is becoming increasingly enigmatic. She tries to check Allie's wilder ideas and impulses, but almost always offers that sweet smile of agreement at the end. Why is that? Does she know something that we, the audience, and Dina and Charlie don't yet know? We've seen Allie get out of all kinds of perilous predicaments, but those escapes have usually been due just as much to luck as to cunning. Surely, Margot's confidence in Allie is based on more than she thinks he's, and in turn, the foxes are just incredibly lucky. Anyway, the Mosquito Coast continues to be a lot of fun to watch, with the locale changing in just about every episode, and Dina edging ever closer to learning just what her parents, exactly what her parents have been up to. The Mosquito Coast 1.6. What kind of brother? It was an action-packed episode for sure. Episode 1.6 of The Mosquito Coast on Apple Plus TV. Bill Lee killing Agent Voorhees and one of his little helpers killing Agent Jones. Wow. That was one powerful sequence. Now, I like both of these agents. They were quirky characters, just about like everyone else in this quirky series. 
but the shootout and knifing made for one momentous scene replete with Lee softly complimenting his little assistant after the kid knifes Jones, Moy Bueno. It was also good to see Margot pushing back on Allie as much as we've seen her do that in the series so far. But of course, she doesn't leave him because she understands that the two of them together are the best and pretty much the only way to protect their kids. Also, deep down, I think she really does love Allie. Dina's memory, by the way, raises an intriguing point in this episode. She recalls her father, quote, bringing, unquote, Charlie as a baby to her, that is introducing her to her baby brother, but Dina has no recollection of Margot being pregnant. That, in turn, could mean that Charlie is maybe her half-brother or perhaps not her brother at all. And if the latter... Where then did Charlie come from? Other than Dina's memory, everything points to Charlie being a half-brother, if not a full-brother. Certainly, Allie and Margot treat him the same as Dina, a beloved child they would do anything to save. So let's get to the finale of the Mosquito Coast. Now, I've been saying here in this review of the Mosquito Coast that Charlie's gun would play a major decisive role and Margot would reach the breaking point with Allie's wild ideas and escapades. And sure enough, both happened in the season finale, which was one breathless ride of an hour. Charlie saves his family when he shoots Lee's henchman right in the head. And Margot does tell Allie she's going to go her own way with the kids a narrative exploding move which only doesn't happen because she needs to work with Allie and Dina to break Charlie out of jail. But of course it could still happen next season and I'm very glad there will at least be a second season of this really wonderful series. The finale also really showcased the unusual genius of Ollie. He's able to think at lightning speed, evaluate a situation, and come up with a daring plan. And more than that, he's able to improvise when needed. His quick thinking not only springs Charlie from jail, but gets Allie and Charlie to safety, even with the lethal Lee and his men literally in the same jail cell. Here's one quibble, though, and it's not just about the Mosquito Coast, but all television in the past few years. At one point, Allie tells Dina, quote, you're better off with your mother and I, unquote. But hey, as any good grammarian will tell you, with is a preposition, and that takes the objective case, me, not the subjective case, I. So, Ollie should have told his daughter, quote, you're better off with your mother and me, unquote. And Ollie, as a genius, should know this. And surely he would want to speak grammatically to Dina since he's such an advocate about homeschooling and its benefits. But hey, that was a very minor point. I've truly loved this series, and I'm looking forward to more when the second season rolls along.
the Light on Light Through podcast. Well, I hope you enjoyed that review of the Mosquito Coast. I'll be back here soon with another episode of Light on Light Through with a review of a science fiction series or movie or, again, as I've done in the past two episodes of this podcast, reviews of great mystery detective shows. So, in the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and enjoy. Athens, 2042 AD. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. Paul Levinson still codes about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. 